Galatians 5.22, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. And and I emphasize it every single time. Against such things there is no law. Uh, Because the people who were receiving this letter, uh, they were were very much bent on fulfilling every ritual, doing every work they could, checking off every list they could. Uh, everything on the, the salvation list that there is so that they could assure their place in heaven. They could assure their righteousness, their righteousness before God and their righteousness better than other people. And um, Paul said, hey, you know what? If you want to follow a law, if you want to follow a, a religious law, how about have these things? Let the Spirit of God, let there just be one rule, one, two rules in your life. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and soul and mind and strength and love your neighbor as yourself. And the third one, let the Spirit of God produce these fruits in your life. Isn't this the kind of person that you want to be? Do you want to be a hate-filled person? A, uh, a, what's the opposite of joy? A sad person all the time? A hopeless person all the time? Do you want to have no peace? Do you want to be in a fight with every single person in the world? Do you want to just give up at the first sign of any kind of difficulty? Do you want to be unkind? Do you want to be bad, fundamentally bad? Do you want to be completely unreliable? Do you want to be harsh? Do you want to not have any kind of self-control? Is that the kind of life that you want? No, you are asking God. You want God to come into your life and start producing these kinds of fruits. No matter what you think your biggest problem is, no matter what you think your biggest character flaw is, you start letting the Spirit of God produce these things in your life, guess what? You're going to be, uh, you're going to be a more fulfilled Christian. And, and, and Paul just sort of wraps it up, and I, and I think he's a little bit snarky with it. He said, there's no law against being that kind of person, by the way. There's no law against that. If you want, you want to fulfill the law, then fulfill this law. Um, but it is hard. It is hard to sometimes be gentle in our lives. These, none of these attributes come easily. None of these attributes even come naturally. It's very natural to be a hate-filled person. And if you watch the news or whatever, they will tell you every day, this is the person you ought to be hating because this is the perpetrator for everything that there is, every evil that there is in the world. You'll find that it's easy to find a target for your hate anytime. If you've got just, if you've just got pent-up rage that's, that's sort of directed nowhere, it's actually very easy for you to look around and find a target for that rage. Even if you don't want to hate everybody in the world, it's very easy to sort of pick one person and, and despise that person in, in, in the place of everybody else. Uh, it's very easy to be uh, very sad and hopeless. It's very easy to be at strife with everybody. It's very easy to be harsh. It's very easy to just sort of have no self-discipline, no self-control in, in any way. These are, though, the opposites of these things are very easy. Your sinful nature, what we call the sinful nature in our hearts, produces those things. You don't even have to tell me. I just naturally produce those things. But the Spirit of God is working in my life to make me a different person, to make me a person who's in the, in the image of Christ. And today the one that we're going to focus on is this gentleness, gentleness. And now some of you, gentleness is very much about human relationships. And human relationships are very messy. The, the people that are the closest with you uh, in your life, the family members that you live with, the roommates that you have, the people that you are stuck with, more or less. You never get to choose your own relatives. The people that you are stuck with uh, in your life, they, those are the messiest relationships that you've got, the harshest, the hardest relationships that you've got. And it's easy, it's easy, uh, because you are stuck with these people, um, to not be gentle. Because if you're not gentle with a stranger, 
the stranger doesn't care. They just avoid you, all right? They just never want to see you again. But family, people that you are connected with, people that you can't get away from in your life, those are the people that it's often very, very hard to be, um, to be gentle with. And I will, I will say this. Uh, many of you probably grew up in households where every relationship and every interaction is combat. Everybody in the household is seeking to win. Everybody in the household is seeking to dominate. And if you grew up in that kind of house, I'm very sorry. I'm very sorry. I wish you didn't have to. Um, but that doesn't mean that now maybe you're grown up, maybe you're out of that situation. Now it's time for you to learn a new sort of family dynamic, a new way to deal with people, a new way to interact with other people where you don't feel like you have to uh, win at every relationship. You don't, husbands and wives don't have to argue all the time. Co-workers or siblings don't have to argue all the time. That You don't have to be in competition with everybody to see who really is the dominating one. Um, you kids, kids in your classroom, you do not have to live like Calvin and Susie here, okay? And that's a cartoon that you've probably never seen, but it was a hilarious relationship, but they were absolutely at odds with each other all the time. Never said a kind word, a gentle word uh, between them. Um, but anyway, she was good. She was good for Calvin. She was good for Calvin's ego, but he was not gentle. There's nothing gentle uh, about him. All of, these, all of these relationships can sort of um, dissolve or deteriorate into, into competition. And the Bible has a lot to say to us about being gentle, about being gentle. Uh, and I'm just going to go ahead and, and take one of the weirdest verses in the Bible. I, no, maybe it's not even close. There's a lot of weird verses in the Bible, a lot of weird passages. But there's one that you would just never expect to be uh, in the Bible. And it's the most extreme, it's the most extreme circumstances uh, of circumstances. And I'm going to illustrate how there's gentleness even in this situation, okay? This is from Deuteronomy. When you are attacking a town and the war drags on. Now, wait a second. Wouldn't you expect that the Bible says, when you are attacking a town, don't. Stop. Stop attacking the town. When you find yourself attacking a town accidentally, stop. Don't do that. Or when you find yourself attacking a town, use Nerf. Something like that. Isn't that what you would expect the Bible uh, to say? But actually... Here is Moses, God is leading Moses and the children of Israel out in, the, in the, the desert in Sinai, and he's preparing them for the invasion of the land of Canaan, the invasion of the promised land. And this is what he tells them. When you're attacking a town, whoop, when you're attacking a town and the war drags on, you must not cut down the trees with your axes. You may eat the fruit, but do not cut down the trees. Are your trees your enemies that you should attack them? You may only cut down trees that you know are not valuable for food. Use them to make the equipment you need to attack the enemy town until it falls. Now, there's an unexpected verse in the Bible, okay? Again, you would expect it to say, when you're attacking a town, well, just stop attacking the town, all right? But that's not what it says. And remember, in the Old Testament, this is a great, a great sort of a, a lesson for how you should read the Old Testament as a New Testament believer, okay? The Old Testament meets you where you are and puts you on a trajectory, Okay? And so in the Old Testament, when you read something that you say, well, that seems kind of harsh, that seems kind of cruel, that seems kind of unchristlike, that, that that would be uh, in the Bible. What, what, the, what God is doing, what the Bible is, is doing in the Old Testament, what the law, and especially Deuteronomy and Leviticus, whenever it seems cruel, 
what he's doing is he's meeting them where they are. This is where you are. This is the kind of world you live in. This is your reality right now. But I want to set you on a trajectory. I want to set you on a, on a trajectory. And so what's the trajectory? Uh, what's the norm, maybe you might say, in, in ancient battle? And not in ancient battle, in all battle, in all combat, in all warfare. And listen to me. Combat, warfare, it is the nastiest business in all of human history. It is why so many people have shunned it and said, I will never be involved in it no matter what. And little boys, and I was a little boy once, and we played war all the time, and I grew up, and I liked war movies even. But at a certain point, you start to meet people who've actually been in combat. And what do you learn about people who've been in combat? After it's over, they never really come out of it. It is one of those things that once you see it, after you see it, it changes you forever. It messes you up. Uh, this church is founded as a peace church. We have it in a pacifism as a, a heritage. We don't impose it upon anybody. But I would always ask everybody to concede the point that combat is the nastiest business in the world, and it messes you up. 100% of people that come back from combat, are it, it messes with your mind, and it cannot be thought of lightly. But even in that, even in that, God is showing them there's a way to be even gentle in combat. There's a way that the scorched earth thing, just taking, having extra zeal in all of your combat. And God says, I don't want you to be that way. You're going into the promised land. You're going into a place where gardens and orchards have been cultivated I'm not sending you into a place to just utterly destroy everything. He's not interested in any kind of scorched earth policy, even when he's sending them into the promised land to do the nastiest business of, of all mankind. And he sets them on a trajectory to say, when you, when you go into conflict, start looking around and seeing not things to destroy, but seeing things to preserve, seeing things not to destroy. And when you get on that trajectory you'll ultimately get to a point where you look around and you say, I don't see anything to destroy. And so I'm not going to destroy that. Okay? So even in the nastiest of situations, God says, there's a way to be gentle and put, your, put yourself on that track. Even with animals, even with things that aren't people, even with things that aren't pets, because they're not talking about pets here. They're talking about farm animals, things that you're going to shear, things that you're going to sell, things that you're going to eat. Even in those situations, there's no need to be cruel. There's every reason to make sure that all of your animals are healthy, know the condition of your flocks, value everything, no matter what you're going to use it for. Use it in the right way. Be gentle. Make sure it's healthy. And look at here, do not muzzle an ox while it's treading out the grain. Oxen are good for work, and at the end of their life, they're good for meat. Uh, they're not good for sitting down and having a conversation with. They only do one job, all right? But even while they're doing their job, don't muzzle them. Let them get the benefit of it. Let the oxen get strong. You grow all this food. You grow all this grain. It's for the strength of you and your household and your people. But let it be for the strength of your ox, oxen as well. Make sure that your animals, that your work animals even, are looking forward to the harvest season. Got it? Now, I just want to point these things out because I talked about how, hey, in human interactions, in human interactions, there's a need to be gentle, a way to be gentle. But 
God, we can even start from every point very far away from you and your home and say, in even the most extreme situations and not, even not with people, there is a way for you to be gentle. And it's a godly thing to be gentle in that way. All right? Now, let's see how many people I can offend with this next verse. In the same way, you husbands must give honor to your wives. Treat your wife with understanding as you live together. She may be weaker than you are, but she is your equal partner in God's gift of new life. Treat her as you should so your prayers will not be hindered. Okay? In, in the, the New Testament, Paul and Peter both put in household rules, household rules, all right? This is, this is not necessarily, it's rules for society and God, but, but in the Old Testament, remember, the Lord is setting up a nation, and in the New Testament, he's setting up a subculture amidst the larger culture. And he's telling them, hey, the, the larger culture acts one way, you need to be acting a different way. The typical pagan Greek Roman household acts this way. A Christian household acts a very different way. It acts a very different way. And even in here, I think Peter is meeting people where they are and putting them on, on a trajectory. All right? And let's talk this for a moment about this phrase right here. A lot of people just really get very offended at this. She may be weaker than you are. And I don't think anybody, I don't think Peter would even say that women are, are just completely weak and made of jelly. In fact, women endure more, uh, have endured more throughout history. And any time that any society is suffering, who suffers first? Women and children and older people. They always suffer first. They suffer first, suffer most, Okay. Uh, so in a way, in a way, I would say that women are even tougher. But that's not what he's talking about here. That's not what he's talking about here. He, what he's really talking about, and I don't think anybody, if we translated it vulnerable instead of weaker, I don't think anybody would disagree with that. She may be more vulnerable than you are. But you're not supposed to take advantage of that vulnerability. And in fact, uh, the, the best place, way to understand weak, weakness here is just physical stature. You may be able to overpower her in any physical uh, conflict, but don't. But don't. You may be able to dominate her anyway, any way you want, but don't. And I love the little threat that's given at the very end here. Oh, well, he gives this, this theological basis for it all, because she's your equal partner. And in the Greek and Roman world, that was a new idea. Um, Men are the ones that reap the benefits of religious uh, piety. They are the ones who benefit more in the afterlife uh, than, than women. But in Christianity, it's a whole different ballgame. Whereas you will be resurrected and have new life and be seated with Christ, so will she. She will enjoy the same benefits in eternal life as you are. So she is equal to you. She is equal in value to you. To you. And that was a new idea for Peter's world. Okay? And just in case a man didn't really, remember this is Christian men in Christian households, and they're, they're getting their, their, um, their minds remade, transformed here by these kinds of verses because they did not think this way before. And, and I, so I think that even with Peter, when he says, okay, and, and even if you don't agree with this or you think that I'm way off on you, uh, let me just go ahead and give you a nice mild threat. Treat her as you should so your prayers will not be hindered. You want a relationship with God? Fine. Let me tell you about your relationship with God. He can dominate you. Let me tell you about your relationship with God. You're weaker than he is. And how did he treat you? He treated you very nicely, didn't he? He empowered you. 
He helped you. He gave you everything that you needed, even though you were weaker than him. He didn't look down upon you, did he? Fine. So in your household, if you see your spouse, your wife, as being less than you, then I want you to go ahead and and remember that you are less than Christ. And if you don't treat her the same way that he treated you, then he doesn't want to hear from you. Ouch! That's a good threat there, isn't it? All right? If you don't treat people with the same gentleness and kindness that I showed you, then guess what? I'm not interested in talking to you because you still don't get it, do you? Do you? All right. I want to do a little object lesson, all right, to help you understand gentleness. So, Riley, are you ready? Come on up. Riley, come on up. I'm going, to call on, I'm going to call on some people in the congregation. Ben, I want you to come up too. John, I want you to come up. Steve, I want you to come on up. Chris Walters, I want you to come on up. Peter Delgallo, front and center. And Riley, I want you to stand, stand out right about here. Okay? Now, Ben, I want you to stand in front of her. Okay? Steve, I want you to stand behind her. John, I like your position where it is. Peter, I like where you are. And Chris, I want you right here, okay? All right. Are all these men taller than Riley? Do all these men outweigh Riley? I venture that Peter ate a bigger breakfast this morning than Riley. And I don't mean a bigger bowl of cereal than she ate. I mean his breakfast was bigger than her. I would imagine that most of these men can can bench press Riley's weight. I would imagine that most of them can probably curl her weight uh, maybe Richard Delgallo could with one arm, for sure. Now, let me ask you a question. Is Riley safe? Yes. Probably never been safer in her life than she is right now. If the boogeyman man came in here right now, look at what we've got here. Our first line of defense, of course, is Frank's cane back there. And, cane, and Frank, you'd use that cane, wouldn't you, on the boogeyman? And it's a nasty-looking cane if you look at it pretty good. And if the the boogeyman got past Frank's cane, our next line of defense is Chris Walters' voice. He's he's loud, and he's got a very gruff voice. All right? Say, say, boogeyman, get out of here. All right. He's holding back. Past that, we've got Ben, who would charge the boogeyman with all of his might. And if he got past Ben, then we've got Peter and... Lord, help the boogeyman if Peter gets a hold of him. You don't know it, but uh, uh, many of you may not know it, but Peter uh, is a uh, wrestler. And I don't mean just a little bit of a wrestler. I mean, hasn't been defeated this season, defeated maybe only once or twice in his college career. Uh, probably, probably bound for the national championship. Probably bound for the University of Southern Maine Hall of Fame. Okay? I outweigh Peter twice. And he could make me cry. It's only his kindness that he doesn't. Okay? And then we've got two medical professionals back here to, to mop up the aftermath. <laughs> gentleness, what I'm getting at here is that gentleness, gentleness is not a lack of strength. It's not a lack of strength. Was Jesus weak? No. He's very strong. Uh, calmed the winds and the waves, told nature what to do, faced 
uh, disapproving crowds on his own, debated in the public squares with people who really wanted him dead. He was very strong. These men, very strong, much stronger than Riley. But strength, gentleness is not weakness. It's strength properly deployed. That is what gentleness is. God is calling us to be strong, strong in every way. Good, good strong physical, as healthy as you can be. Good, strong in your mind, strong as you can be. Good, strong in your emotions. Good, strong in your spirit and in your prayer life, in your spiritual uh, strength. Strong in absolutely every way possible. And then properly deploy it. Properly deploy it. And when you do that, you will really fulfill the essence of gentleness. Because anytime, you know how you know somebody's been gentle with you? When they could have hurt you and they didn't. That is when you know that they've been gentle with you. Thank you very much. You can sit down. So for most of us, gentleness is really not about combat, okay? It's more about words and how you treat people. And God has given all of you a strength. God has given all of you power. You may not know it, but God has given you a certain power. In, say, the stereotypical household, the husband is probably going to be taller than the wife, stronger than the wife, louder voice than the wife, deeper voice than the wife. Men, if you are stronger, taller, more powerful than your wife, then don't do what this guy has done. Do not use your size, your voice, your presence to intimidate or dominate. You be gentle, right? Ladies, God has given you keen emotional insight and a strong use of words. Words are power. Words are power. Okay? I have, uh, I often, I, I thought about it at one time that uh, I, I've seen couples that are having trouble and uh, the husband is just kind of docile. He doesn't say anything. You sit down to talk with him to t- talk, talk things out and he's just kind of like, whatever, you know, whatever, whatever. It's because he's been beaten Every conversation, every argument, every discussion they've ever had, she beat him. And so I thought to myself, you know what they ought to do? You know what we ought to do? For, for that kind of couple, every other time you have an argument, this time you can talk about it. Next time I want you to arm wrestle about it. Next time arm wrestle about it. And then the next time you can argue with words again. And then the next time after that. Just every other, every other argument you need to arm wrestle. And what would the wife do? She would say, <laughs> But that's not fair. But I can't do that. But there's no way I could possibly uh, come back in that situation. And I would just always want to say, that's the way he feels every time you say, we need to talk. Because it's not, we need to talk. It's, this is, I'm going into an unwinnable situation here. What if he came into you and said, honey, we need to arm wrestle? You just get in the car and leave, Right? Same thing he does when you say, we need to talk. If you find yourself empowered physically, 
or with words or the ability to manipulate or use logic or win any argument even if you're wrong, even if you know you're wrong, there is a way for you to step back from your strength and say, I'm not going to use it. I'm going to be gentle instead. Of course I can out-debate you. Of course I can arm-wrestle you. I'm not. I'm not. Let's have a more civilized interaction here. Let's be gentle with each other. And children, you don't know it, but you have power as well. The tantrum is an incredibly powerful thing. Going boneless and laying on the floor and screaming, there's nothing a parent can do except drag you off. Embarrassed by everyone around. Kids, you have power. Be careful how you use it. When you cry, when you go boneless like this, sometimes it works, but if you do it all the time, guess what? It doesn't work anymore. All right? God wants you to be understanding and gentle with your parents to the degree that you are able, and I pray that you grow in that um, over time. But don't bully your parents with a tantrum. Your parents might be so kind that they just don't respond or they give in to you, but don't do that. You'll regret that you did someday. All right. Just come back uh, to, a, uh, to a bit of a conclusion that I've already sort of stated. Jesus was very gentle. Jesus had enormous crowds of people there who were very influential, who were coming to him for the words of eternal life. He was very gentle in the way that he spoke to people. Uh, he was gentle in the way that he debated with people. He didn't say, oh, you bunch of idiots or anything like that. He was very gentle with his words. He just, he just lobbed a question right back. It was an unanswerable question, and they understood. He's got us beat here, all right? He was very gentle in the way that he interacted with people. He was very gentle. Uh, there's an there's a interesting story in the Bible where the demons beg him for, for gentleness. Oh, please, oh, please, oh, please, let us go into the pigs. Oh, please, oh, please, don't send us out. Oh, please, oh, please, oh, please. Have you come to, a, uh, to torment us before the, anointed, the appointed time? Jesus said, all right, get out of here. You can go into the pigs. Whatever. Very gentle with people while he's healing them and even while he's uh, calming the storm. He was very powerful, very powerful, but gentle in all of his interactions. Okay? So, for you, Whatever power you've got, be careful with it. Nurture strength in every aspect of your life, but be careful how you deploy it. Deploy it with great gentleness. As soon as you find yourself strong, you're going to want to show it. As soon as you find yourself smart, you're going to want to show it. As soon as you win your first debate, you're going to want to win the next one. Be careful how you do that. Be gentle in your interactions with people. And if you are, guess what? you'll have more interactions with people. And if you're not, you'll find yourself being more and more isolated and alone. Because who wants to hang out with a bully? Nobody. 
All right? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we love you. We thank you for this day. We thank you for showing us how strength is properly deployed. Help us to be a strong people, but help us to know how to use that strength for good and not for our own personal gain. We thank you for the food we're about to eat. Please, Lord, gather around the table with us. And Lord, you be the center of conversation. Bring yourself up at every moment. Help us to understand you and understand each other better while we eat. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. All right, you are dismissed.